You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's going on? Derek, I made you walk. We'll talk about it during our weekly episode, but it's fine. So we traveled. We're in downtown Buffalo, and we're with our friends. So I'm super excited to dive in because there's a lot to discuss because you guys are new in the... We'll say you're new in the neighborhood. So what's going on? You want to introduce yourself? Uh, My name's uh, Roy uh, Backus, and... uh, you have no title? Oh, my, yeah, we can go with title. I, uh, I'm the minister without portfolio here at Cafe Godot, um, because that's the best title to have, I think. Um, wow. Uh, I am Kevin Thurston, and I, uh, I'm a food jockey here at Cafe Godot. A food jockey? That's right. Okay, so let's, first of all, define <laughs> the roles, because that's never, I mean, Roy, you've, that's never been used ever in the history of the Buffalo Happy Hour. Nice. Um, so I'm a nerd, and um, one of the things, like, I, about a lot of things, and um, Minister Without Portfolio, I remember coming across that, it was in some, like, every once in a while, I used to, when I was younger, I thought it was fun to, like, you'd come home after a long day bartending at three in the morning and turn on the British Parliament live when C-SPAN had that on and like get high and watch people like insult (laughs) each other to the worst part but like start the insult by like the right honorable gentleman from Gloucester molests children and they're like wow he's the right honorable child molester that's wonderful and they go back and forth and one of the times I was watching it there was a guy from the government coming up that they set up to keep answering questions that were vague, and his actual title was Minister Without Portfolio. And I'm like, that's the best fucking job anywhere. Like, you're, I'm like, I'm, a, I'm the minister, and I'm too important to be narrowed down to like finance or to like streets or whatever else. I don't have a portfolio. I can talk about anything. And so that's where that, uh, that's, uh, I'm actually going to change that on our corporate docs. I'm boring president on our corporate doc. <laughs> I think I'm changing it to minister without portfolio. We're going to have to... In large part because he is indeed happy to talk about anything. <laughs> <laughs> as, as you just saw. Yeah, so that's yes. where that one comes from. Gotcha. And then food jockey in layman's terms would be the chef. I suppose. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. 
<laughs> There's a scene in Caddyshack where he, uh, you know, no, 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 no. no, yeah, well, it's the where he, yeah, the, the I could taste the, uh, the the steak still has the marks where the jockey was hitting it, and I, now I'm going to think of Kevin every time I, <laughs> oh my goodness. every time I see that film, which is going to be wonderful. So, oh, so, so starting at the beginning, how did you guys meet, and then what led to this creation? And and where are we? Let's start there. Uh, we are, um, well, I heard the host say that we're in downtown Buffalo. Sure. <laughs> I, I believe, maybe. Yeah. We'll see. So, um, yeah, Cafe Godot, uh, 388 Porter Avenue. 388 Porter Avenue. Um, and so... In the 201. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is our, uh, cafe. We're open for breakfast and lunch. I don't, I'm, does that answer where we are? Oh, we're at the heart, we're in the, <laughs> we're in the, the heart of one of the, uh, historic thoroughfares on the, uh, west side Columbus Park Allentown Convergence in Buffalo. Um, if you walk 400 yards that way, you get client hands. Not even, maybe, yeah, three, four hundred yards that way, you nope. get client hands. If you walk um, that way, you get Jewville and the Peace Bridge. There's a, If you just get up to the corner, you can actually see the lake from where we are. It makes for wonderful uh, watching snow blow in on snowy days. And if you walk a mile past that, you finally get to our car. Exactly. Nice. Yes, because that's where I forced our vehicle to park. And made him walk. So he tricked me. So when we were coming, I'm, I'm not. I don't really come to this area often. I guess he lived here for a little bit, but um, he's like, you can't park on the side of the street here. I'm like, oh, I don't know. All right, sounds good. So literally, like a mile and a half down the road, he's like, this is where we're parking. Man up. Good thing you got your boots on. Like, whoa. All right. Basically, we also have full-time jobs. I know he's currently working from home. I'm like, well, perfect opportunity. Let's get our steps in. He failed to inform me that every day at lunch he walks his dog. But news to me. So It's good that you're trying to keep your partner healthy. Right. See? Also, yeah. very common for dog owners to walk their dogs. Is it? Yes. <laughs> See, I learned something. All right. So how do you guys know each other? <laughs> right. That was a question from a while back. Yes. Yeah. We have a, a mutual friend, uh, Lorna Perez. And, um, well, she, she knew me and she knew Roy, but not the, you know, and then she was like, the two of you need to meet, blah, blah, blah. Eventually we did. Um, she got jealous of our friendship. We are all still friends. <laughs> well, we, we, well, we also, in, in her defense of getting jealous, we got to the point where, like, we started trolling her with our friendship because she introduced us so of course she had to be every time we were all together but then it would get to the point where we'd run into each other and like take selfies and text them to her or be like wish Lorna was here and then she'd be like you didn't invite me and we're like oh well okay we wish you were here <laughs> you know, we didn't say we wanted you here we just wish you were and so that went on for a while and uh, she stopped hating us about a year and a half ago and got back to liking us and then uh, Roy and I for probably two years at least have been talking about maybe opening up a place and um, it got to the point where before we looked at here I was like if we don't go look at here I never want to talk about opening up a place with you again because I'm sick of it <laughs> well, yeah, we had talked about doing a whole but we, we had talked about doing a place and both of us have been we both have had multiple jobs outside of the restaurant industry but I think the one constant which is why Lorna couldn't believe we didn't know each other because we both are both were English majors, um, both work in that kind of like, both Kevin's taught, I teach at Buff State, um, Kevin's taught overseas, Kevin's worked for Just Buffalo, but we've both worked in the restaurant business since we were 16. On it, like mostly on for me, like 98% of my jobs have been in the restaurant business, even though I've had second jobs, and I think most of Kevin's have. And, um, you know, so 
we got to that point where, you know, we'd both, we'd had start to have discussions about like, man, you know, if I own my own place, I'd want to do this this way, or why can't we pay people a fair wage and still have them figure out a way for them to get tips, or why can't we, you know, use more ethically sourced products? And we found out that even though we come across very differently, we have a lot, we, we share a lot in common mm-hmm. on the ethos of how we wanted to run a business and how we like to see restaurants run. And uh, so the opportunity came up. We had talked about some other places. Luckily, we didn't. I know you don't want to talk about the uh, thing going on out in the world, but um, we had come close to a couple, like we had, we had look, gotten to the point where we were looking at a couple big things where it's like, it's a $300,000 property and we'll get some investors and we'll go a half a million in and we'll do all this. And then everything happened with COVID and both of us were like, thank fucking God right. we didn't do that. that would have been <laughs> like it would have been awful if we had 25 employees and a $7,000 monthly nut to make when we can't sell anything. Yeah. And also uh, this space became available in part because of that as well. Uh, somebody had already signed oh, nice. a lease for this spot, but they couldn't get out of their previous lease. And so... They, our landlord is great, and our landlord allowed them to leave their lease. He's like, you got bigger problems than trying to open up a cafe right now. Go solve your... And so this spot presented itself to us in a way, um, and I've always liked it. Uh, I used to come here when it was Buffalo Rome, um, and I don't know, just it's a, it's a cool little spot. And um, so, yeah, here we are. In some ways, it's uh, serendipity had a lot to do with a lot of this stuff. I mean, not, you know, whatever wherever you are and what you think how the universe works or all that stuff it's uh you know the way we came into this spot and with everything going on in the world there were a lot of uh a lot of things had to fall in line in exactly certain ways i mean if you would have you know if, if you would have told me two years ago that you know we would have put in the amount of time and finances like kevin you're going that you and your partner are going to have you and your wife now are going to have a baby and we're going to both spend most of our money getting into a spot and open up and we can't really serve people which is both of our strong points <laughs> let's do this we I, I would have looked at you and said yeah there's no fucking way i'll do that now i, I really i can't imagine that i would have done it any other way yeah. or done anything else so i mean it, it sort of fell into place so regarding the the shift from large to small due to the world in 2020 in general, um, how did that impact other aspects too where you're like, okay, instead of brewing 40 gallons of coffee, we'll just do three pots and then we can shift our entire business model to fit the world. And then how did you use that to your advantage? Because you guys have such a unique, it's a culture and you're bringing, like you mentioned, like the fair wage, you're using normal, like really healthy organic products. And then you're, you're reaching a totally different market that most other places are not where it's just like in and out. I need as many people as I can to turn product. And you're like, why don't we just do this slightly different? So what was that shift like? Well, um, for me, it wasn't too crazy in that, uh, I was cooking at the little club and, and serving at the little club. And, and those were just kind of small plates that we were making as they came up. So working on a smaller scale is something I have experience with. I think um, what's really interesting and one of the reasons I like working with Roy so much is that he's coming at it from the exact opposite angle. You know, if you want. Yeah, I cut my. Uh, I, I've worked in small places before, and I owned a small place in North Carolina in '04 and '05, um, and then came back to Buffalo. But before that, the longest tenure I ever had a job in my life was I, I was. Uh, 
the first person that wasn't a manager hired at Pearl Street Grill and Brewery. Mm. And I was there till 2002, left in a unceremonious leaving that wasn't good and went to North Carolina, had a couple other jobs, worked at Osaka and Blue, which was wonderful. And then when I came back in 05, one of the uh, one of my dear friends and a guy I, I trained as he was coming up and who's trained me in a lot of other ways, his name is Josh Ketry. He actually was like, why don't you come back and work at Pearl Street? And I'm like, dude, are you crazy? Right. And I went back and I, you know, I walked <laughs> in and I was like, I'm, all right, this is good. I'm not managing. I don't want keys. I don't want any responsibility. I'm going to figure this stuff out. And Three weeks later, the GM, Bill Cassell, tossed a set of keys at me and is like, you're managing anyway, you may as well have it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, cool, we're doing this again. And I was there pretty much from November to 05 to the uh, beginning of 2017 when I left to uh, oh, wow. uh, start um, Buffalo Distilling. So I was at Pearl Street 17 years. And so for me, the idea, is, it's, it's been fun again to have to scale back mm-hmm. because, yeah. you know, what... I remember walking in like, and nonchalantly, people are like, oh, how was your day? It's like, eh, it was okay, you know. Oh, would you, I work Friday lunch. How many covers did you do? Eh, 475. And they're like, what, you fed 475 people on Friday lunch? And I'm like, yeah, it was sort of slow. We sent a couple servers home early, and they're like, I mean, the, the first day we did, um, the, the first time the World Juniors were in Buffalo, mm-hmm. I was joking around with uh, Kevin, who was the guy who does all the purchasing over there. He's like the second-in-command guy at all the locations. And, you know, there were a ton of Canadians in town, so they ordered a shitload of chicken wings. And I was like, man, we're not stopping with the chicken wings. And we had fryers all over the place going crazy. And we totaled it up at the end of the night. And I'm like, how many chicken wings did we do? And he's like, we did 3,300 pounds of chicken wings in six hours. And I'm like, we, we made a Volkswagen of chicken wings. <laughs> Like literally in a, in a shift. I yeah. mean, and again, it was like the scale was so large. Like the only other beer we served at the time that wasn't ours was Labatt Blue and mm-hmm. Blue Light. They parked a full 18-wheeler refrigerated truck in the back that was loaded with stock. And every third day, they would take all the, that one away that was now filled with empty kegs and empty bottles and bring another full one and park it in the parking lot so we could unload it. So going from that to this, like, right. it's sort of funny. Like, I talked to Kevin, like, we'll talk probably as we go on about our plans for the patio. And I'm like, well, we're going to do 40 outside and we'll have 20 in here and we'll have, you know, so we'll have 60 people. And hopefully on a busy day, well, like on a Saturday, we'll turn that two and a half times so we can serve, you know, 130, 140 miles from eight in the morning to four. And he peeks out of the little, there's a little hole about this big in the kitchen. And he's like, um, how the fuck am I supposed to do that out of here with two ovens? And we're like, let's figure this out. Yeah, because like, and, like the kitchen will not grow. Yeah, just because we've got more seats. Right. Um, But yeah, now it's just like, you know, if we sell 15 of one particular item in a day, I'm like, well, who got the memo? You know, like, and just as opposed to 3,300 pounds of chicken wings. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it like transitioning from a place that's open all day, basically from lunch for lunch and dinner, to then saying, we're just going to do lunch? Because you only do lunch. We do breakfast and lunch. We open open at eight and we go till four. not to piss off any of my restaurant industry friends who did this, this is what we all worked for for our whole life. Like I tell, I, I taught at the Culinary Institute when I first started. I went back to school when I turned forty. Lorna, who introduced us, also um, she worked for me while she was getting her doctorate at um, UB, 
and got the job at Buff State. And I had a, like 170 credits and no, no undergrad degree. And she was like, why don't you come back to school? So my first I did, I stayed in, got my master's. I went back when I was 39. I finished when I was 44. I started teaching. And my first teaching gig was at the Culinary Institute and TRIP, which worked out great. I taught English at the Culinary Institute, but I had the restaurant background. And so... I, where was I going with that? What was the question? The, the, the time that you have oh, for now. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, coming through all that, one of the things I always would tell my students, you know, they, they would all look at me and be like, well, I'm going to graduate with, I'm 21 and I'm going to graduate with my culinary degree. So, you know, I'm only going to work, you know, Monday through Thursday and that. And I'm like, no, you're going to spend 20 years and you're going to work 50 to 51 Saturdays. You're going to work 50 to 51 Fridays. Your days off are going to be Tuesday and Wednesday or Monday and Tuesday. You're going to work every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night until at least 11 or 12. You're going to work almost every holiday if your place is open for those holidays. And that's just the reality of the grind of the business. So in some ways, it's a different grind because we're up a lot earlier mm -hmm. than we ever have been and other things like that. But in other ways, it's it's so wonderful. Like, I'm going to go home and cook dinner tonight when we're done with this because I don't have to go to work. And it's wonderful yeah. being able to do that. Um, I agree. It is wonderful. <laughs> so <laughs> is your background the same, the, the same restaurant, like time frames? Uh, I mean, I started smoking cigarettes at 14 when I was a dishwasher <laughs> underneath the table. Oh, I'm yeah. Falls Boulevard. <laughs> um, and then, let's see. You know, worked along while going to college and all of that. Uh, worked at a country club, and that's where I got, like, exposed to, I guess, the higher end of things. Like, you know, I didn't know wine or anything mm -hmm. like that. You know, it's not like growing up in Tonawanda, that's a very common thing. Besides, like, put some more ice in this, honey. You right. know? <laughs> um, Grab another beer, please. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know. Um, And so learned all those things and liked them, and just kind of kept that around. Uh, worked in PR for a while, and I worked for a PR firm in Baltimore that specialized in restaurant openings. Okay. So uh, we'll call it like restaurant industry adjacent. And um, just kind of like I always kept a toe in and around. Uh, lived in Korea for a bunch of years and then came back, moved to New York. I wanted to move somewhere after Korea that didn't require a vehicle. Hmm. And so, like, the United States goes from this big to about this big. Right. Um, and then when I was in New York, I found myself managing restaurants. And it's like, oh, this again. <laughs> and then uh, moved back home and was working at Just Buffalo. And then started uh, working, oh, at Klein Hands first. I was uh, in charge of um, the concessions at Klein Hands. Okay. And then from there, moved to Barrel and Brine, where I worked with RJ and Lindsay, uh, fermenting and doing all that kind of stuff. And then worked at a little club, and um, it was maybe about a year ago. I looked at my friend uh, Dan, and I was like, um, "I guess I, I guess I'm a restaurant person." <laughs> and uh, you know, in, in part, I think there's weird societal kind of pressures um, to have people want to pursue office work, mm -hmm. right? Like that seems to be where everybody's pushed, and that that reflects both. Food and you know, food and beverage, but also um, what we call blue collar positions, right, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So skilled labor, and so you kind of like you know are like, well, growing up, everyone told me I was smart. I was in all these AP classes and all of this. Surely I'm not supposed to be working on my feet. And then eventually you're like, actually, it's it makes me happier. I should mm -hmm. probably go work on my feet. <laughs> 
if I had a uh, if I had a dollar for every well-meaning person in my life who was like, "You're really smart. When are you going to get a real job?" I'd already be retired, and I'd probably have a house on TPC Sawgrass where I'd play golf every day. Oh yeah. If, that's one of the things I think that's been super refreshing. Nice golfers. Um, I'm super re- plant. If you haven't, by the way, it's worth every fucking yeah. Day. Yeah. Um, the uh, what Kevin and I had this discussion the other day where I you know I had asked him about you know when did you finally realize when did you feel okay enough to admit that you're a restaurant person. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I freely say it now, like, I teach, I do other things, but I'll never get this out of my system. I'm a hospitality guy. You know, more than just restaurants, I think for both of us, even though he's more in back and I'm more in front, we're both hospitality guys, mm-hmm. and that's what we do. And I think that's, the, for me anyway, that's the magic of these spaces. I mean, you can all pick up a book, and especially now, you can go on YouTube and watch somebody show you how to, you know, slice something or cut something or ferment something. But it's it's coming and feeling special and feeling like you're being catered to and talked to. It's it's a it's theater in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and it you know this is probably the first time in the United States anyway. It was a little maybe different in France and in a few other places, um, a few spots in Asia. But really, this last maybe eight or ten years since the explosion of like Bourdain and the food scene, mm-hmm. where this is thought of as an acceptable career. Sure. This was never. I mean, I it was it was not never. I went. It was never something that you know like you're going to dedicate your life to this. Like, why would you do that? And it's you know, and it, in some ways, it's been looked down upon, and I think that's unfortunate. And there's, <clears throat> it's it's funny you mentioned because you're both well versed in travel and being outside of Buffalo. And one of the biggest things that most people do is when they leave Buffalo, they're like, why isn't something like this in Buffalo? And one of those is a cafe or a pop-up on the side of the sidewalk and the guy's just giving coffee out. And I mean, I'm in trades, like the, the whole blue collar stereotype thing. And I'll leave a customer or a job site and I'm like, I really just want a cup of coffee because I got to drive 45 minutes to the other side of the city and I'm exhausted because I've been doing this in six or seven. It's like, so what, where can I go? And you don't want to go to Duncan because those, I mean, they're garbage in Buffalo. They just literally got overran by Tim Hortons and you're sick of Tim Hortons because they're always overcrowded. You don't want to spend $7 at Starbucks. Excuse me. So you're like, what do I do? And it's great because if you're in the city of Buffalo and around it, you can always swing in and find one to five cafes that are generally close to you that serve a lot of good things. And most of them are on the same tier of ingredients, products, like the vibe and the overall culture and environment that most people just like want to sit down and relax in. So it's awesome that this exists because the whole neighborhood can come here and relax. But then the other side is you have the people that work the six to four that can swing and grab a cup of coffee and then leave. And it won't impede on any operation that you guys do. So in that, how did you cultivate your menu? Because you both have so many ideas and such a well-versed background from 480 people to all different sorts of options, whether it's culture or not. So how did you kind of pick and choose what was easy but then also beneficial? Well, one thing that you just kind of were talking about is... um I well while there I should say there are certainly days where I want to have something that will put me to sleep by two o'clock in the afternoon like a um, sh- like a, a sugar coma or that or like you know like I need a stinger 
Let's go to Shy's. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, but like, <laughs> which you all have to go. Like, it's the fucking truth. <laughs> but you know, like, but the I'm idea here for the the menu is like, you know, you can eat this. You're satiated, and it's 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 nutritious. Mm-hmm. Like you're like you're head like something and delicious. I should say. Um, and, okay, and, good. And, uh, <laughs> But you can still continue on your day. Yeah. And and that's really important to me. Like, you're not, like, kind of going, like, ooh, well, okay, I better have a cookie or a coffee at 3.30 to give me that final push so mm-hmm. I can go drive home. Like, that's that's, that's so depressing. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like, like, you're, like, honestly. And so, um, yeah, just trying to give people something that's, like, nourishing, tasty, and um, filling, but not, um, I don't know, coma-inducing. Yeah. So what did you end up going with? Well, I think that I think something else that comes into that um, is that Buffalo, and we, we have these amazing, like Kevin's a primarily Polish ancestry guy from Buffalo, working class. You know, I'm a Polish ancestry guy from Buffalo, working class, raised by my mom, you know, that like that kind of thing. And there's these amazing comfort food and ethnic food things in Buffalo and the way our neighborhoods work and the way immigrate I mean immigration is really I think because of the Erie Canal and the lakes in Canada immigration has shaped this mm-hmm. area so much and it's actually I think culturally when we go away um, I when I lived in North Carolina or when I travel there's so many things that we take for granted because of having Canadian radio or Canadian television or when I was a kid we shared like I got three Sesame Streets. I got English Sesame Street, Spanish Sesame Street, and French Sesame Street yeah. because our public television does Canada and does that so three different times a day. And it's it's having that kind of I don't want to. It's and I'm not trying to throw shade at anyone who lives in America that's more than 50 miles away from the border. But being within that border area um, really shapes us, mm-hmm. and I think it shapes our food and our culture. And one of the things that we were getting at with, I think the thing that I love the most about what Kevin's done with our menu and some of the things like we'll bounce ideas off of each other where I'll just be like, we need to do this. And then Kevin's like, he, no, but let's do this, this way, you know, like, Sounds like us. Well, and, and, so what, but, and then he, t- like, I wanted to, you know, we, we do, we're having Polish week next week okay. and we're doing gwumki, which is like the ultimate comfort food. And they're the <coughs> Polish, Polish cabbage rolls. Mm-hmm. And I took, they're called Lil's gwumki, because my grandmother was Lil, she old Polish, fierce Polish lady who was awesome. And I took my grandmother's recipe, but we did it with Kevin. Um, we use a mix. We do a mix, a blend of impossible meat and uh, mushrooms mm. to make a blend that Kevin then makes into our Greek meatballs, our Italian meatballs. He gave me a bunch that was neutral, and he said, use the Polish flavorings on this. And it's paprika, pepper, salt, and some rice mixed in. And so we made a, a vegan version of the guamki, and then we tried it with the traditional sauce. And Kevin's like, great, I'm going to doctor it up now. And I'm like, it's great. Why does it need to be doctored up? That's my grandmother's recipe. And he made what he calls cheater gochujang from his time in Korea and from his fast. Like, both of us have an Asian food fascination and love mm-hmm. as well. And he threw some gochujang in there to give it a little bit more warm, peppery kick. We put 12 orders on on a Tuesday thinking we would have them, and they sold out by Wednesday. And so we're like, oh, cool. Next time we do this, let's do, you know, three times as much. And we did 36 orders the next time, and we sold them out by Friday. So people were calling Saturday and being like, they're gone. So now we're going to do, like, twice as many orders as we go forward forward for Polish Week. And it's taking those 
comfort food dishes or those buffalo dishes or those different immigrant style stuff or even for places that we're not necessarily a part of but that we enjoy from different Asian cultures from different menus we've had the privilege of eating on and taking those and making those fit that ethos of I don't want you to fall asleep after this mm-hmm. I want you to be able to go on with the rest of your day or feel energized and get a, get a good portion of something that's nutritious that doesn't just you know kill you because it's I mean and again not to say there isn't a time and a place for it, but there's, over the last decade, I mean, I'm getting older, I'm, you know, our bodies are machines. Mm-hmm. And as we get older, I was, I was, and I say this, this sounds weird, I was lucky enough to have a heart attack when I was 37. And I say lucky, because if I didn't have it then, I smoked two and a half packs of Camel Filters and drank probably two bottles of wild turkey and a bottle of vodka every week, because I was bartending, and that's what restaurant people do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is great. And had I not had the heart attack when I was, 37, my heart probably would have exploded at 38 or 39 and I would have died. And along that, since that time, I've met with nutritionists. I try and eat healthier and eat better. And I can eat everything on our menu and not feel like I'm killing myself by yeah. eating it. And there's places I like to, that I used to like to go to or that I still like. I can't imagine. And, and again, no shade for anybody who does this. I still grill meat. I'm not a vegan by any means. I, I try and eat more plant-based. But like the idea of like, when I was 26, my idea of a treat was like, I'm going to go get a 28-ounce cowboy steak with the bone in on top of a half a pound of mashed potatoes, and we're going to man up and eat it all. <laughs> yeah. It's like the idea of like, like, my, like my colon just punched me for talking about eating 28 ounces of steak. Like, like four ounces is awesome. Six yeah. ounces is awesome. And it's, like, and it's that moderation. And I think that's something that Kevin does really really well with flavor profiles tweaking things to make fit with good natural ingredients mm-hmm. and with and with portions and sizes and pricing going all along with that i think he's amazing at it so we can meet all these niches we're not just i'm sorry we're just uh, <laughs> we're not just we're not pushing anybody away like my yeah. my aunt I, we, we have the aunt betty test my aunt <laughs> is a 75 year old retired Polish nurse who rents for me and lives below me. And Kevin will make this and be like, take this soup to Aunt Betty. And I'm like, <laughs> she enjoyed it. She said it was a little spicy. He's like, perfect. That's going to fit for everybody else because an old white Polish lady should think it's spicy. Right. But so like we, we want to appeal to Aunt Betty and we also want to appeal to somebody who's like, I want everything from a local farm and everything that's, you know, handmade and gluten-free and everything else that you can go. And we want to be able, we don't want to ever push anybody out of our door because we're not accessible or we're doing something that's going to mess with people's minds. Well, and it seems like there's a lot of places that um, are vegan or vegetarian and like they kind of stop there, you know, and like, Mm -hmm. and that, that, I guess for dinner, that, that to me works really probably a little bit differently, but I like the idea of a place where the entire office can order lunch. Mm-hmm. You know, so like you have like this person who has this allergy, and you have this person who eats keto, and you have this person who eats this way, and, and like we pretty much have something for everybody, um, but within a, a menu of only twenty items, which I think is like a kind of like, like a fun accomplishment in a weird way. Um, just kind of like you know, yeah, like we have this really small um, scale of everything that we can choose from, but within that. It's like, you know, we have the West Side polka, and that's like, you know, uh, pickled mustard seeds, pickles, cheese, and polo sausage. And like that, that's the, if, the, if that's the day that you want to fall asleep after work, you know, like, like that's, that's what you get. You know, it's so like there's that. But then there's like, you know, the Western New York salad, and that's everything on that plate comes from within 90 miles. 
And so, like, that's uh, a maple vinaigrette, local greens, uh, apples, and cheese curds. You know, they're all from around here. And I think that that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So is your menu your menu, or is it seasonal? Is it always rotating? Or is it like, these are the flagship items, and then those 20 items will fit everybody? We that's, fight about that a little bit sometimes. Okay. It's <laughs> also working itself out. Sure. You know, we've been open three months. And, like, you know, so there's a couple sure. of things where you're like, well, okay, that's that's probably never going away. Or it will always be a variation of it. Um, there's certain items that I've started just appending, like, 2.0, 3.02, um, just so people coming in know that like this is, these are this, all the same notes, but they've been like rearranged a little mm-hmm. bit for this solo. Gotcha. <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it like a perfect example of that is our, we have a, a salad that's called the I've Been to Greece, and uh, it's our version of a Greek salad, which is fun because just would. Everybody's had a Greek salad in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. It's nothing like what people in Greece actually eat for a Greek salad. There's no lettuce in a Greek salad, for those wondering. Yeah, the, the, the oriataki is the actual Greek salad with right. no lettuce. And, and it's like big chunks of vegetables and olives and a chunk of feta cheese. and it's Oil and fresh herbs. And it's, they're great. Yeah, it's like it's awesome. And um, But so we have that on there. And that salad is the, the core of it. Oh, we, Kevin makes a homemade Greek dressing. We have the vegan Greek meatball. That core and some kind of green, but when Root Down calls us up in April and says, we have our first greens out, that gets different greens in April than it's going to get in August, and it's mm-hmm. going to get a different radish in September than it gets in March, and it's going to get a different tomato than it gets now. Yeah, like right the- now, a lot a lot of things are much more um, pickled or mm-hmm. fermented or blah, 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 because it's like we're, we're preserving the harvest from last year so we can have vegetables in winter. I mean, this yeah. is not... A new idea, <laughs> right. um, you know, and so like you know, but come voice like to me it is. <laughs> get a heart attack at thirty seven. Like, I'm like, what? Yeah. That was, in, in all fairness, it's like fourteen years ago. Now, so. um, you know, but yeah, like obviously, so come summer, it's going to be a lot more fresh vegetables. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I just, I, I feel like I, I, I owe it to myself and to the people who eat this food um, to give them. The, the, the best of what's available at the time um, while being cognizant of carbon footprints and all of that. Yeah. So talking about the ingredients that you use, since you are working off of that motto and trying to have things fresh, who do you partner with in the local area to get some of that items? Do you go to the, your local supermarket and get it, or do you partner with different people? Uh, <laughs> I mean, we, yeah, it's like there's a lot of like, well, you know, the who's sausages got, who's from got what? <laughs> okay, sausages from Redlinsky, and they've been they were great when I was at the distillery. I had a good relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And they, they do that. Um, a lot of the greens are from Root Down Farm. We've done some stuff with Westside Tilth right down the way. Um, we Ellen from Black Sheep Black Sheep makes our focaccia that we use on our focaccia pizzas and our egg sandwiches, and also makes uh, two pastries for us: a vegan hand pie, which is like a, a savory, and then the jam brioche thing, which mm. is this jam filled brioche. Um, all of our bread, our samoon bread, and then the. Uh, Iraqi bread, which is what they, uh, it's like a big flat bread that we use to chop up and make our pita chips for the dips Kevin makes. Those come from uh, these new Iraqi immigrants that are like only been in Buffalo for like three years hmm. who have a little halal spot on Hurdle called Hurdle Bakery. Um, so we try and do as much as we can, as local as we can. And again, we, 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 we can't claim to be 100% because you just can't. Sure. And right. there's some things at price points like, 
you know, it would be great if we could use local fish. I mean, we you can't use mm-hmm. local fish. I mean, you can eat like two eight, two salmon a year, <laughs> but we we try and make sure that it's like you know. Our, fi- our salmon is line caught Atlantic, not farmed. Sure. You know, our chicken, we'd love to use local chicken for what we're doing. Um, because of the, what our equipment and our size limitations right now, the price point and how you buy the local chicken is like you buy the whole chicken and use it and everything else. We don't necessarily have the capability to do that. So we get a product that's cruelty free and is as much to fit into that ethos as we can. Mm-hmm. So if any holes that aren't local, we patch. We, we do some stuff with well, Barrel and Brian. We do things with a whole bunch of really cool people that we've had relationships and with. And also, um, like, you know, just because it's local doesn't mean it's necessarily uh, a net positive either, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can have, True. like, you know, a brownfield-grown tomato. And, well, it's local, you know, but, like, <laughs> it's, like, but it's not necessarily any better for you know, sure. because of it. So, and then there's also, as always, we are a business, right? At the end of at the beginning, you, you got to stay open. Well, right. and so, like you know, prices is a consideration. Um, you know, Buffalo and Milwaukee are like the number one cities of coupon use, and like you know, we can't have like there's a there's definitely like a, a ceiling. That we were talking about it actually right before this recording about like we don't probably want a sandwich to ever really break fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. Like that that seems like okay at that point. We have left the building, and, and we're not even close to that right now. Um, you know, and just it's breakfast and lunch, right? You know, you like you. You yeah, don't want people to wait until egg. payday, right? You're not <laughs> yeah. going to charge somebody fifteen dollars for a bacon, egg, and cheese. Depends you, where you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we if try, you're downstate, then yeah, we, we try not to. I mean, there's there's certain things where it's like, and, and but we know, also have a menu where you can get out of here for eight dollars. Yeah, we think, you know, and so we try to like. It's up to the consumer, I think, sure. you know, also. Um, and there's people out there who will put a special on that maybe is more expensive. But we're kind of doing this for the 50 people that we know in town who would be interested in this. Mm-hmm. And then there's other things that we put on a special where it's like, we really think this is a wide net that everybody can kind of approach and is at a price point that's reasonable and still accomplishes all the other things that we've been discussing. Yeah, we're doing one the, the one behind us on the board, the CBD chicken salad. Kevin came up with that because RJ from Barrel and Brian worked with... Uh, local, Bison Botanics. Uh, Bison Botanics, uh, who is making CBD, and came up with a hot sauce. And, mm. It's called High Street Hot Sauce, yeah. and it's like... A, three days old I feel like it's yeah it's wild. it's awesome and he nailed it like he brought us in a sample and I'm like looks like Frank's and butter that you put on wings and it's like but it tastes a thousand times better it's that you can taste sweetness in the peppers it's I mean it's it's beautiful hmm. and it has CBD in it and Kevin's like CBD buffalo chicken salad and I'm like yeah that special is a wide net we're throwing that over right you know whether you like whether you care about super local and the Iraqi bread we use, or you're just like, man, what do I get from Steakout today? And you're like, they have a CBT chicken sandwich over at this little cafe that's named after some arty shit. Should we go there? <laughs> and like, you know, we 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 Not are a wide net. We, we are happy with we we are happy when people walk in and. Uh, you know, call us Godots. We love that. It's sort of fun. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah. We're definitely waiting effect. for like, oh, yeah, go, go Dots. Yeah, go to the Go Dots, man. That place is awesome. Go well, Dots that being great. said, so what is the the story behind the name? What made you choose that? Um, well, we were going back and forth on names. And um, at one point, we were really close to like Cafe Valklov or something like that. But then it was like, Polish. but then it was like, well, that boxes us in too hard mm-hmm. in terms of, I think, we'll never overcome that perception. 
that were a place that you can pretty much only get like borscht and have like angry Polish ladies giving you spoiled milk and like some stale bread, you know, and, and like so just trying to get that out of the way. And then um, Samuel Beckett, who wrote Waiting for Godot, wrote a play that was once dedicated to Vlachov Havel. So part of the reason we were going with Vlachov you talk, I'm running. Yeah, we were going back and forth. And like We're like, Cafe Solidarność, Cafe this. And like we're like, because we're two Polish guys from Buffalo. And it's like, you made that clear. Where are we going? Yeah, sorry. And so we, uh, we end up with Beckett because we opened up during the pandemic. Right. And uh, Godot is this, it's the play about nothing. It's like serious Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> two guys hang out and they're waiting for a guy named Godot who never shows up. Twice. And twice. There's, it's two acts about nothing. And two acts where nothing happens. The resolution is nothing happens. But like they carry root vegetables around with them. So we're like, oh, that's great. Carrots and beets. We can do some of that. And there's and we're two guys who opened a cafe in the middle of a pandemic hoping customers show up. So it wasn't really that much of a stretch. And it is, again, it is absurd. Like the idea that, you know, Beckett's thought of, you know, not as sort of an absurdist, I guess, you know, a modern, modernist, a semi-absurdist. And it's like the existence of, you know, life waiting for nothing. What are we doing? There's a whole bunch of implications when you read the play and mm-hmm. analyze it about, like, we get up, we work, we go. Is this all there is? And so we named the place after that. Yeah, that's where it came from. <laughs> well, and it's like our first super slow day, Kevin looks at me and he's like, should we kill ourselves? And I'm like, maybe. And that's a, line from line. The, that's a line in the play where it's like, shall we kill ourselves? No, we'll just keep waiting. <laughs> I have a pocket full of root vegetables that'll get us through. And so, so it fit. It fit. And uh, it, 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 we think it was appropriate and again, serendipitous in some ways. Beckett wrote it for us, man. Well. <laughs> so what was... You guys made the news, so congrats on that. And then what was that experience, and then how did that benefit you guys? Um, Being featured in that article and then having them come here and film, and you were able to semi-showcase what you guys were all about and then generate a little bit more hype. Um, Oh, man, this is a hard one because it's it's sort of a delicate answer, I think, because I don't want to come off as like... I don't want to feel like I'm an athlete talking about myself in the third person where it's like... You know, Michael Jordan always takes the shot when Michael Jordan needs to take the shot. You know, like, but qu- quite honestly, I think one of the things that, one of the reasons why I felt no trepidation about going into business with Kevin, and besides our friendship, and I, I hope he would say the same thing about me. I'm we'll putting see. words, we'll I'm see. feeding it, but it's it's that both of us, I think, have pretty good reputations in the communities we've been in, mm-hmm. um, with other restaurants we've worked for. Neither one of us is. We, we don't really blow up bridges very often. We're more, you know, like, okay, that didn't work out. That's or even okay. burn them. Yeah, we don't burn them. We don't, yeah, sorry to fuck up the metaphor. Uh, yeah. you know, we're not bridge blower uppers. We're, uh, okay. we're bridge builders. Uh, so what's that joke? You know, you, you, every, you know, I, I, don't, I, build I don't understand jokes. Okay, sorry. Yeah, you have no sense of humor. You have great delivery, though. It's his delivery. That's the key. But, um, yeah, so going going through all that, we both I think have we've had good relationships with people that we've worked with and former customers and guests and friends, and we both cast a pretty wide net as far as people in the industry who we've done. And you know, in some ways, we lucked out because it was slow news time in November and December without everything. Like, let's go to see what Christmas shopping looks at. And you're like, everyone's going to hang themselves if they see what Christmas shopping looked like this year. Because right. no one can do it. And so, it, there, again, serendipitously, there seemed to be this space. But the fact that, you know, Andrew Galerno has, has been to places and talked to people and 
talk to us for interviews for other things and mm -hmm. the guys from Step Out and the guys from uh, you know Liberty from Buffalo Rising who came on out with Newell and just from other things we've done in the past stuff that Kevin's done in not only his cooking jobs but in his other jobs um, his other job at um, Klein Hands and his job at Just Buffalo and stuff that I've done in, in my other jobs and talking to people and so it just sort of all happened and I was like, wow, we got a lot of press. I really hope we can deliver all this shit now when people come. And we, we managed to pull it off, and it worked. So in conclusion, it has been beneficial. Outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I suck at one word answers. <laughs> My students, I actually, uh, last, it was two semesters ago, I was, I was in class, and somebody asked, asked me a question, and this is like getting close to May. So almost the end of the semester. And they're like, Professor Roy, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah. And I went on teaching, and this kid in the back room is like, fuck yeah, and he jumps up and down, and I'm like, whoa. What, you won what, the pool? What, what, what <laughs> yeah, they actually had a pool, oh, and wow. they, 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 they literally did. My, like 12 of my students started a pool where they threw in five bucks a piece, and they picked dates of when they thought I would answer a yes or no question with a yes or a no, and had been trying to ask me more simple questions like around our date, and I'm like, well, that's an interesting question. You know, it's like, should we wear shoes or not? Well, it all depends on the barometric pressure and how things go. And so I answer with the yes, and this kid's jumping. He's like, dude, you just won me 65 bucks. And I'm like, bring coffee to class on Friday. Right. That's yeah. awesome. You know, so funny. speaking of coffee, where do you get your coffee from? This is uh, fantastic. Another one of our partners, uh, Typico. Okay. And they've been they've been great to work with since uh, the very get-go. Um, I used to go there quite a bit when they were around the corner. They, they've moved since... Um, and when we were looking for uh, coffee partners, Dr. Like, Roy's really good friends with the folks from underground, mm -hmm. and I know people at Public, and so now it's like, well, I mean, do you want a longer answer? Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how, much podcast, time, how much time do we have to fill? Like, no, we're good. Do I get to Roy this for a moment? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> but like, we were like, oh man, how do we choose when we're friends with everybody? Mm -hmm. That was kind of like the kind of the issue. And we were like, well, you know what? We'll do one company each month and it will work like that and so we were really excited about that idea but then I was talking to um, Tommy Lombardo who owns Little Club and he was like that's a nightmare and I was just like well what, what, why and he said one you're going to have to track down a different vendor every month <laughs> two what do you do with the coffee that you didn't sell that month and so then I was like oh that's, those are really really coaching points and so then now we're like okay we get to play the fun game of well price and taste now so and then typico like you know was the right point on the graph of taste and price per pound and we've been using them ever since and then the one of the other big things because not to ever we love a ton of other coffee you know bean bastard and undergrounds and uh you know public and other you know things that people that we've worked with in the past mm -hmm. or had drank their stuff and it's good but the other big thing about typico is because they were in the neighborhood oh, before good. and you know a lot of not right now, but as things get going in the spring, a lot of our business is going to be foot traffic from people who live in the neighborhood. And we've had, oh, we've probably had 100 people who've walked in here since we've been open. And we've only been open for about 12 weeks. And we've probably had 100 people who walked in and have been like, oh, coffee from Typico, man, I miss that place. And mm. it's like, yes. Nice. And we opened in a neighborhood that had another place that was there beforehand that may have, but Typico also makes really, they do a great job. Mm -hmm. They do a great yeah. job roasting the coffee. When, we, really when we opened up, we wanted to strategically partner with people in the neighborhood. So that's how we get 
our baked goods from Black Sheep and we got mm. our coffee from Tipico and you know we're trying to like work on some other stuff like we're trying to do something with Bread Hive eventually that's going to happen and Kahari just opened up around the corner and like yeah, Kahari's is in the old Tipico yeah and yeah, so like we think right. you know like there's other that's the thing that's kind of really kind of fun about a place this small we can't do everything ourselves mm-hmm. just because of the physical limitations of the space and um, and also like we want to be in a place that's eight to four and then go home <laughs> you know yeah. so like you know strategic partnerships uh just kind of picking up who does something better than i do and what don't i want to do right (laughs) and then and then you go find those people to kind of augment what you're doing uh i i I think going along with all that stuff too with the with working with other people is that and it's one of the things i love is this idea of you know you are located you serve lunch and you're located within a mile of me i must crush you and put you out of the Fuck that! Fuck the Walmarting of America. Excuse my language, but of, of the, the Walmarting of America, it's like it, it, it's always been a thing with me. I mean, when when I was first at, and again, I've been at Buffalo Distilling, and we worked with a whole bunch of different people collaborating. That was awesome. When I worked at Osaka and Blue, we had a few people that we worked with that we collaborated with. But then when I was at Pearl Street the first time, um, Tim Herzog and me, we did and. Pearl Street and a bunch of other places. We did the first um, Buffalo Brewfest together, mm-hmm. and then we also did a guitar fest with um, WNED, mm-hmm. and it was great. It was the first guitar fest, and we were. It was like fifteen different bars, and I walked out of a meeting at one point, and this is back in nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine. It was like guys started yelling like, "I booked that band on Thursday, so you can't book jazz next week," and it's like. And I literally looked at everybody. I'm like, guys, instead of fighting over 500 people, why don't we try and get 5,000 people to come to all of our places Mm -hmm. over two weeks rather than be like, I need my 31 people out of the 500 that go out for live music. That's a good point. And and I think that's that attitude is one of the things that it's it's been a happy change for me in the last decade Um, with the tightness of the Buffalo Mm -hmm. hospitality community. A lot of people are starting to, not that there isn't competition, not that there isn't stuff like that, but a lot of newer restaurant owners or business owners within the within this concept, uh, within hospitality, it's it's about working together. It's mm-hmm. not about trying to shut somebody else down or getting an, ex- like, I, I can be the only one with root down stuff on the menu. Quite honestly, I want 10 other people in the neighborhood to have root down stuff on the menu because then I don't have to drive to Clarence to pick it up because they're going to send it out on a truck. Like, that would be great, you know? And so I think there's a lot more of that. And one of the COVID, I I, I don't know what phrase to use, but like one of the positives that's come Mm -hmm. out of the whole COVID thing is I think that guests are starting to see the value of local, are starting to see the value Mm -hmm. of small business. And like, Real small business, not like the government says a small business is if you do less than $50 million in revenue and have right, less than right. 900 employees, it's like, uh, I don't know where that's a small business, but it sure as fuck isn't in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, right. seriously, like, like, like a small business for us is literally one to 12 people. Yeah. Max. And, and so <clears throat> I think that the public is really starting to understand that it's like, oh, wait, my neighbor there works at a small business and her second job is at a small business. And the person who watches my kid has a job at a small business mm-hmm. and the guy who plows my driveway does this on the weekend and he owns a small business and works for another small right. business yeah but like it's kind of wild like to take the um the cbd chicken sandwich we mentioned earlier it's like okay we're buying the the hot sauce from high street which employs bison botanics and barrel and brine there's radishes on there from root down which is a 
Bar Mountain Clarence. The bread is from Hurdle from the Iraqi refugees, right? And so it's like this one sandwich is an economic driver for like at least yeah. five different places. The spider web is massive. You know, and it's and really cool that you guys are thinking about that to really help. Well, it just, it, I mean, it, we didn't come up with this to help anyone. It just happens to like, like it's, it's just like a, this moment where like things line up perfectly, mm-hmm. right? Where mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, like, like um, the sandwich fulfills all of the delicious requirements that we want. And it happens to also fill out these ethic requirements that we kind of aspire to. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't do it always, but like, you know, yeah, you buy your lunch from other places around town. Like, you know, if they're ordering everything from one of those huge food brokers, very little of that money is really staying here. It's just kind of going to an owner's pocket and like and the commission that the food broker has. Mm-hmm. And and those people need to eat. I'm not taking away from anything like that. And there's certainly issues of scale where it makes more sense to do so. But on the scale that we're working, it's like the more I can do that, the the better. And there's minimums too. So like you're not gonna buy chicken from Tyson because you have to buy an ungodly amount of poundage of chicken when you're like, we're making three sandwiches, dude. Like, we don't need all that. Yeah, he's got 33,000 pounds of chicken wings. (laughs) And, like, you know, yeah, I've got at most maybe, like, 30 pieces of chicken breasts laying around between the freezer and the fridge and what's cooked. (laughs) Yeah. So speaking on scale, like, what is the square footage of this space? And then, um, you know, obviously there's going to be photos posted on our Instagram and things, but, like, just to give people reference of what you're actually dealing with this would make a really nice one bedroom apartment um that probably about 750 square feet i'd say maybe not even 700 650 700 square feet oh my god it um, really would that could be like the bath and then there's the bedroom <laughs> yeah, yeah there's like dude, the living room and it's like the hangout space i would totally yeah. have a, I, would, I would have like a lofted like a little spiral staircase to my lofted queen-sized bed area that you just sort of like roll into it'd be pretty awesome like this would be an awesome apartment but it's really that small yeah and it's like you know, how many people have a 750-square-foot, one-bedroom apartment that are like, we want to put 20 seats in there, and we want to have 40 people in our front yard, and we want to feed all of them three times a day. Who wants to come? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you're a moron. How <laughs> many employees do you have? Uh, there's there's four, including the two of us. Okay. Yeah, so four total, including us. And then I think when we're f- our idea right now, fully staffed, we have some expansions planned. Um, we're currently working with M&T Bank and uh, the Small Business uh, uh, SBA, the Small Business Association, to try and get some more funding um, because we want to build out. With Duville coming back online, they're, they're a big economic driver here mm-hmm. with the Absolutely. campus and the students. And they're building this gigantic medical building, which is literally like 250 feet from our front door around the corner. That's going to have like 50. I just read a thing in Business First that said something like 7,000 unique visitors a week to the medical office building because it's going to be besides the stuff for students it's going to be doctor's offices and mm. chiropractors and it's, occupational therapists like labs a labs. lot of lab work it's it's a full and dude we, it's ridiculous we don't need to pull a lot of that to be financially viable yeah if we get if we get 50 <laughs> to 75 people a day on between there the students there's 300 and some odd staff and faculty at Grover Cleveland High School when they're up and running. And then on nights and afternoons when Kleinhands does stuff, mm-hmm. not to mention, you know, we're not open on Sundays. We will be open whenever we get to have the Allentown Art Festival again. Right. We will be open on Allentown Sunday. We will be open on the Garden Walk Sunday. And so, you know, being able to being able to touch all those people and do that in the neighborhood, that scale comes up, and that's why we're doing some of the expansion. Because how do we do all of that? Like our our kitchen, no joke, is probably 
160 square feet. Like, I mean, eight feet across by 12 feet wide, something like that. So how does the expansion work? Is there, I'm sure there's permitting, like you have to get blessed off by the landlord. Has so, that been a conversation? Back to our landlord being amazing. Yeah, Bill, yeah. Bill Mack is his name, and, and he's just awesome. Like each time, like he no longer is accepting questions from us. He's just like, go ahead and do what you want to do. <laughs> he let us write our own lease. Like it was fun. like we were talking about the lease, and I'm like, we people were still getting closed down by COVID, and I'm like. All right, man, we're going to have a fight about this one, but I want to put in like an act of God thing where if the governor closes everybody down, if we're closed for more than half the month because of COVID, we don't have to pay rent. And I'm like, Bill, is that okay? And he's like, have your lawyer draw it up, put it in there. And like, you know, we painted our logo on the outside of the building and gave this whole place a facelift. Yeah. And like, that was like, absolutely no problem. He let us put a sign on like the house next door door that is also his but like you know like basically put nails into the outside of the home to have another sign for here he's ex- absolutely so he's not an issue when it comes to our expansion mm-hmm. plans i guess is the, yeah. the best way to say that um and then D- does like, the you know, mayor come into play well we're like not, at what echelon does well, this? we're not beer and wine and so that oh, all, like so okay. like a lot less people are going to have any objection to what we're doing sure we'll, we'll have to get a permit from the city for the for the patio mm-hmm. but that's and shout out to the city. Like we, we had a really good experience um, opening up. We opened, we, we took the keys to this to place on September fifteenth, and we opened on November sixth. So we were literally six weeks from nothing in here to up and running and selling things to people. Wow! Starting a corporation, getting all of our permits from the health department. County health department was awesome. Pardon me, was awesome. The New York State websites, like New York State, it used to take two weeks to, because of, and again, some of this is because of COVID, because people are at home. Mm-hmm. We got our corporate, we filed our corporate documents and we got our corporate approval and our tax ID from New York State and the federal government in two days. So like, you know, Kevin and I, are we were center left, a little left to center on things. And I'm like, we are the chair people of a corporation. <laughs> Do we want to beat the shit out of ourselves for being assholes? Like, it's like the we, Winnie the Pooh meme where he's wearing a tux. Like, you know, like, yeah, like we can, vote for the, we can vote for the right things now and vote against our own self-interest. This is awesome. You know, but um, all that was great. And then in the city, like... Marie Gorman, who runs the, uh, she's like the, she's sort of like the guru of all the permitting department. Like everything goes through her office. She lives in the neighborhood and she knew we wanted to get open on the Thursday. And like we were already, we had money in and we had to open up so we could start bringing things in. I call her at the city. Our last inspection happened at three. The guy's like, well, I'll file this on Monday. And I'm like, dude, she's waiting for you to put it in. He's like, okay. And he called her and she did. I call her up. I'm like, can I come down? Like, we're almost ready to lock up. I can be there in a half hour. And she's like, no, I can drop it off. And she literally dropped our permit off to us on the way home. Wow. And, you know, Joe Golombek, who's a personal friend, he's uh, the North District Councilman. He's not our councilman. But he um, was very helpful. Kevin liked to say we had some Sherpas running around for us, helping us out at City Hall. And we did, and it was, and it, and, and again, it, it worked out. It was a, it was not a crazy experience. So, the hardest part about the expansion is going to be the, uh, the hardest part about the expansion is just going to be making sure we get all the financing. And luckily, mm-hmm. the SBA has done some things, and Congress did some things in this last relief bill to strengthen SBA lending. We didn't qualify for PPP. We don't qualify for EIDL because we weren't open before the pandemic. Mm. Right. So not, nothing that's been made aid to businesses we qualify for. Gotcha. Um, but the, the SBA stuff um, through our regular lender 
SBA added, they used to pay the first three months, now they're making the first six months of the loan payment. So the banks are like, oh, so wait, we get back 10, 15% of our investment in the first six months on the SBA, great. And they also guarantee the loan after like 20% of the loan is paid. Mm. If we default on it, the SBA pays it off and the bank still makes their money. So the banks are more likely to give money out, which is good for real small. It's, mm. It sucks when it's, you know, $180 million in revenue, you know, hedge fund guys who have two employees who are taking advantage of that stuff. But when it's real small business, it's good. Absolutely. And I encourage anybody out there to either go to the Buff State SBA place or go online to the SBA or just give a call. Everybody's been super helpful trying to help us out with that stuff. And uh, so that's the big thing. And we're, we're trying to expand. We're going to put in a deli cooler. Kevin can talk mm. a little bit about the menu plan with try and do more grab and go so we can serve more people without having to hire 20 people to do it. Well, and also like um, we're finding that more and more people are excited about like uh, a thing that they can reheat at home. Mm -hmm. um, like when we did Glumki, for example, um, we're actually going to put a modifier on next week where it's like, do you want it hot or cold? Because like half people were like, yeah, I want two orders, um, but just give me reheat instructions. Hmm. Um, and hmm. so like when we did football packages there was a lot of reheat stuff there too and so as we expand um like we're going to have more prepared foods um there seems to be kind of like a call for a a, a lunch thing where like you kind of walk in and you get like a like a, a half a sandwich and and some kind mm -hmm. of side to go with it and you can just get out of here really fast and plus it'll it frees up uh capacity for me and for a potential second uh, kitchen person too mm -hmm. to kind of focus on the other things that we have to make at the time um, and uh, well there's a couple other things that it, you know it gives us it, it lets us be in that niche that I think both of us are in being again neither we're undeniably working class Polish American guys from Buffalo but we also can talk to you about 7,000 different ingredients and wine and beer and booze and all sorts of stuff um and it lets us fit in that niche where, you know, we can be an artisanal market, but it's not like Brooklyn where you're going to get shooed out or price mm -hmm. is going to put you out. So, like, the way I'm looking at it is, like, imagine, like, Gershio's or, like, that old deli that your grandma might have taken you before they closed when you were a little kid. And, like, whether it be an African-American neighborhood or a Polish neighborhood or a German neighborhood, and they have a deli cooler filled with a whole bunch of pre-made stuff that you can take, but that stuff being from local farms mm -hmm. and with Kevin's attention to detail and homemade dressings and CBD chicken salad instead of just like tuba mayo and shitty chicken mixed together. Right. And so having that, being able to fill that niche with the grab and go. And then the, um, the yeah, I, I think that I, I have one other thing, but I'm sure it'll come back. The most I mean. wonderful thing a customer has said thus far is that, um, like, we're really cool, but also extremely approachable. Like, you know, like we're not interested in gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. um, I've had experiences. I've been a gatekeeper myself. It's exhausting work. Um, you know, it's not really fulfilling at the end of the day. <laughs> uh, and I don't know. Just, like, I, there's there's there is some niceness about. Us being older, <laughs> yeah. There's, I mean, there's some definite things we've learned along the way being a little bit older, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, and but I, I bristle. Kevin's much more diplomatic about the gatekeeping thing like that. I, I dress like that. I'm wearing a pair of shorts in the winter time, and I have a hoodie on, and it's like I have a lot of really. Mark Supples and I, I think, had the same tailor for a while. Mark, who used to own Mothers, we have lots of Hawaiian shirts in the summer, <laughs> and it's like. 
I, you know, I, I went to Catholic school for 13 years. I had to wear a shirt and tie and dress yep. shoes for grammar school and high school. I sold advertising for a little while. I don't need to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I've been to places that, you know, you can't go in there looking like that. And my immediate answer is like, oh, now I'm definitely going in there <laughs> right. looking like that. Fuck <laughs> you. My money's just as green as anybody else's. Yeah. I, I hate that gatekeeper shit, whether it be in gatekeepers of culture, gatekeepers of music, gatekeepers of food. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to make somebody feel dumb because they don't know what gochu, you know, gochujang is. I'm never going to be like, oh, how pedestrian of you. You don't know what gochujang is? You know what? I didn't know what fucking gochujang was at right. some point either. And, right. And that's always been I like, don't know what that yeah, is. You know, Still that's don't know. Fine. Well, it, it, it's, it's, like, well, it's fun because it gives an opportunity to... Um, Educate. Yeah, right. With, right. And like without being... Um, A pompous prick. Yeah. Which, and two of my nice. And I mean, like two of my favorite jobs. Like I, I started. <laughs> See you later. Can you, can you, can you go make us something? Yeah. Oh, I don't know what you're do doing. You wanna, do you want to cook something? <laughs> you put that talent to use. I love. Just as an aside, Kevin looked at me after like probably our third week open at one point and three good regulars who are friends of ours come in and I'm talking to all of them and he is and then another friend of ours orders takeout and he's just like. Everyone I know is a fucking talker. All you people do is talk for fucking hours. Like, how do you just shut the fuck up? And he, like, walks back in the kitchen. And I'm like, <laughs> he finally snapped. It was great. Finally he snapped. Finally snapped. All, all you fucking it was done then. You know, like, 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 it's not a snap. It's more just like an acknowledgement of, like, oh, fuck all of this. <laughs> <laughs> Like I can't go home yet, but let's let's have a little bit of silence for a half an hour. <laughs> go stir something. Yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. So let's touch on social media hours and that way people know when they can come and enjoy because there's a lot to enjoy. Or follow your journey, yeah, because you guys are doing a lot. Yeah. Uh, Kevin does the Instagram. Yeah, it's a G O D O T B F L O. <laughs> yeah. And, Perfect. And then it's uh, G-O-D-O-T-B-F-L-O, uh, Cafe G-O-D-O-T-B-F-L-O on Facebook. And then our website is uh, Cafe Godot um, And you can get our menu. You can, uh, or we also are available on the Appetite platform. Mm, okay. If you go to Appetite, you'll find us. But if you go through our also website and click like order, they're awesome. Yeah, that's why we're like, <laughs> One last fuck you to Gatekeeper, like fuck DoorDash, that commercial in the Super Bowl. Mm. I watched the first 35 seconds and I'm like, this is going to be a great commercial. And then I saw it was for DoorDash and I'm like, how do I get to their corporate offices and burn that motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> like, every one of those people, like they literally, they like you all think like, and I'm not faulting people for using them because you don't know. They take a 30 to 35% cut off of a restaurant. So if a restaurant's selling you a $10 sandwich, they get seven out of that $10. Our average margin in this business, after everything's said and done, like if you're doing it, at, the goal is is 10% profit margin, which is stupid compared to any other business. It's always like, our goal is to make 200% more than what we sell. And right. It's like here, it's like, I wanna make, if I sell a million dollars, I wanna make $100,000. And But realistically, most restaurants operate somewhere between three and 5%. after costs and labor and all the rest of that stuff. And then these guys come in and they take 30% off the top of whatever you're selling. And so like you literally lose money to to make sure that you're having visibility and getting cash flow because you need the cash flow. Um, And to to counter that, uh, Appetite started up. It's a local platform. Hmm. Um, They're only available online. They don't have an app yet, but you can 
program them into your browser on your phone mm-hmm. as, as a default spot. And they work with uh, over 100 local restaurants, a couple of liquor stores. All, uh, their drivers are uh, the old takeout taxi drivers, and they have some of their own drivers through. And they do delivery. You can order pickup through them. And they charge us as a business. They charge us a monthly flat fee, which is very oh, reasonable. Cool. As opposed to, I mean, there was one place that was friends with the guy who started Appetit when the pandemic first started. Using the three delivery services, they did $36,000 in delivery business in the first four weeks of COVID because they were like a fast delivery mm-hmm. place. Yeah. It cost them almost $19,000 to do that. And so they literally lost like $6,000 in order to do $36,000 in cash flow to pay people and pay bills. But they didn't make any money off that $36,000 they did. They lost wow. money to do Which it. is to say you can order it via Appetit yeah. on our so, website. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like yeah. how you summarize everything. It really no, keeps I wait. Things. I just wait. <laughs> Wait, I need, wait, I need wait, you in my, my real like, outside life. <laughs> <And> hope. <laughs> and hope. <laughs> I'm still waiting. And then your Monday through Friday, 8 to no, 4? Uh, Tuesday through Saturday. Tuesday through, okay. Can Tuesday I start taking Saturday. you on dates with me? So you can summarize no. for women I'm It's like, like, why would I want that? Like, what he's trying to say is now's the point in the I'm evening. married and have like a 10 month old child. I want to be home. <laughs> right. oh. That's a good point. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for being on. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Don't ask I'm, that. I'm hesitant to say that because <laughs> we're at an hour and ten. <laughs> I'm not going to play on both sides. I'm not, I'm not going to say anymore except that uh, I, 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 wanna, the one, I just want to add one short thing. And we're off. No, no, this one's really short. I got a mute here. I, I oh, want to thank everybody who has come in and supported mm-hmm. us so far. And I really I want to thank you guys for having mm-hmm. us. And I, I want to thank this guy next to me because he downplays a lot of the stuff he does and like well it just sort of accidentally happened or yeah, it wasn't really an ethos yeah, there's an ethos to all this mm-hmm. and there's ideas and he's really committed to them and he's much more passionate about them than his personality wants to see mm-hmm. and it's been an honor to work with him for the last even though there's times when we want to you know we do this and he's like shut the fuck up <laughs> it's been an honor to work with him and I want to thank him thank yeah. you and thank everybody that's come in and uh, thanks for thanks for being here for us and helping us out with absolutely stuff. go check them out they got great food and uh, thank you guys very much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank Cheers, you. Guys. Thanks. to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.